0: Check this out, you guys. Listen to what Jesus says. A little bit before what Marnie read there. Uh, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. And then he says, Jesus says, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. Then he goes on, Jesus says, uh, but if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. Yikes, Jesus. Uh, And then finally, what Marnie read, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them. The kingdom of God belongs to people who are like them. If you want to be great, take last place, Jesus says. Uh, you've got to become like a child to receive the kingdom. Uh, you've got to take extreme measures to help others draw near to Jesus. Now, in these sayings, these, teaches, these teachings, Jesus isn't, um, he's not romanticizing childhood, He's not here trying to emphasize for us the innocence of children. First of all, do you have children? They're not innocent. (laughs) Secondly, being a kid in the ancient world sucked. It was terrible, actually. Kids in the ancient world were functionally non entities, at least until they could contribute to the household. So, what does Jesus mean then? When he says, we must receive the kingdom of God like a child, does he mean for us to be childish? Let's pray. Jesus, we love that you spoke, and we love that your disciple Mark here remembered what you said and faithfully by the Holy Spirit recorded what you said and And now we get to hear your words. And we love that you continue to speak today. That you are a God who speaks. You are not silent. And so would you speak to us this morning. We want to learn, Jesus. We do want to learn about you and your kingdom. More than that, we want to come to know you more personally, more intimately. We want to cultivate a relationship with you so that we might more fully enter into the life that you have designed for us, that you have called us into. So we pray that you would do that this morning as we look at your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Okay, folks, so the first thing we're going to do is consider what Jesus did in this text that Marnie just read from Mark chapter 10. So we're going to consider what Jesus did. Then we're going to consider what Jesus said uh, and then we are going to consider maybe what we ought to do or say in response to what Jesus did and said. You yeah, it, it's pretty straightforward. What did Jesus do? What did he say? And then what might he be inviting us to do or say uh, in response to that? So first of all, what did Jesus do? Well, his reputation, it turns out, was... Um, was spreading in, uh, in the Palestinian region, his reputation especially for rooting for the underdog. That's what Jesus did so often. He rooted for the underdogs, and children were some of those underdogs. His care for the underdogs, his care and concern especially for children, started to become known. And so that's why we read in this text that parents started bringing their children to Jesus. Hey, Jesus just might teach and bless my child as well. But Jesus' apprentices, or his disciples, as the New Testament calls them, their apprentices, uh, they get super mad at the parents. And this is kind of difficult for us to understand, right, because in our world, it's Uh, Pretty common for uh, for a household to kind of revolve around the needs of the children. That picture would have been unimaginable in the ancient world. The household does not revolve around the children. And so the disciples, they, they get really annoyed. A respected rabbi like Jesus should not be disturbed or interrupted or bothered by children. This is probably what the disciples are thinking. How dare you interrupt this respected rabbi Jesus with your annoying children? (laughs) So they scolded the parents for bringing these children to Jesus. And then Jesus gets pretty upset. I can imagine Jesus thinking to himself, uh, these are my words, not Jesus, but I can just imagine him thinking, you know, friends, Have you not been listening to what I've been saying? Have you not been paying attention to what I have been doing? Have you not been seeing what I've been up to all this time that you have been with me? You know, you're supposed to be listening to what I'm saying. You're supposed to be watching what I'm doing and and then learn to do what I also do. Don't you remember when I went out of my way to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead? you remember that? Or when in the town of Tyre, we went to have kind of a beachside, uh, low-key resort kind of weekend, uh, and that lady from Phoenicia was begging me to heal her daughter, and I did. Do you remember that? Or do you remember when you were um, trying to cast out a demon from a little boy who was just being terrorized, but you couldn't, and so I gladly stepped in and did it? Don't you remember when just the other day, This is Jesus talking to his disciples. I mean, don't you remember when just the other day I took a child into my arms and I said to you, anyone who welcomes a little child like this one on my behalf, welcomes me? Guys, you need to take better notes. (laughs) Then Jesus took some of these children that the parents had brought to him, he took them In his arms, he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. I love this image. It's such a cool picture of Jesus embracing these kids. An unheard of thing to do. A man, an older man, like a mature adult, a respected rabbi, a religious leader of sorts, embracing other people's children. His body language, his posture, his physical embrace, his touch, everything that he said, all of this embodied his particular love and care and concern for children. Kids had a special place in Jesus' heart, as did all of the underdogs in the first century world. That's what Jesus did. What about what he said? What about his words? In verse 14, he said, To the disciples who were annoyed at these kids. He said uh, at the parents for bringing these kids. He wasn't annoyed with the kids at all. Uh, He was annoyed with the disciples for being upset at the parents. He said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. In other words, don't prevent anyone who desires to draw near to me from doing so. Let them come. With all of their faults and all of their foibles and all of their idiosyncrasies and all of their inadequacies, let them come to me. Let them. And isn't that the message of Jesus? He says in a different place, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Come to me. Don't stop them from coming to me, Jesus says. I love the prophet Isaiah, what he says in uh, chapter 55, the prophet speaks of a time when the Lord will come, and he says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come, take your choice of wine and milk, it's all free. Come to me with ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. These are the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, let the little children come to me, Jesus says. And then he goes on and he says, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these little children. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Uh, So first, a word about the kingdom of God. Jesus spoke more about the kingdom of God than he did about any other subject, more than he did about love more than he did about salvation. He talked about the kingdom of God. It was his favorite thing to talk about, which is not surprising because the kingdom of God is a way to refer to what things are like when Jesus reigns as king. What is your life like when Jesus reigns as your Lord and king? What is a church like when in that church Jesus reigns as Lord and King? What is a neighborhood like? What is a city like? What does the world begin to look like when Jesus is acknowledged as Lord and King? That's the kingdom of God. Wherever his influence as King is exercised, there's grace, there's mercy, there's justice, there's peace. Relationships are redeemed and ultimately restored It's like 11 atmospheric rivers in a row, just drenching the world with His grace and love and mercy. And we get to see and taste little bits and pieces of this today. We get to experience Christ's reign in a very real way in the world, but it's not fully here yet, is it? Because you've still got problems You've still got struggles. The world is still not the way that it is supposed to be. Things are not yet right. Some relationships remain broken and it hurts. Bodies are not healed and we're frustrated. But we do get glimpses of the kingdom. It's like breaking in. We get uh, like appetizers as we await the main course. This is what the kingdom of God is when Jesus breaks in and reigns as king and as Lord and grace and mercy and freedom and wholeness reign down from heaven. And Jesus says that this kingdom where Jesus reigns as king, where there is peace and grace and mercy and healing and wholeness and freedom, this kingdom belongs to those who are like these little kids it belongs to them. Not because they own it, because they have rights to it, but Jesus says, because they receive it. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. The key word here is receive. And why do the little children receive the kingdom? I love what this British commentator named Cranfield says. He says, talking about children, he says, receptiveness or humility or imaginativeness or trustfulness or unself consciousness, This is not what Jesus is highlighting about children, but rather Jesus is highlighting their objective littleness and helplessness. It's not that they're so innocent or so imaginative, it's that they are so helpless and they are so little. And to receive the kingdom as a little child is to allow oneself to be given it because a child knows that he or she cannot claim their right to it or attempt to earn it. A child is helpless Often children happily acknowledge this, right? Uh, As you know, Chris and I don't have children, but I do hear stories about this. Um, You have probably spent considerable time and energy trying to convince your children that they actually can help themselves, right? Buddy, you can brush your own teeth. You, You can do this. But it's the helplessness of a child that Jesus here is highlighting And in so much as you and I acknowledge our own helplessness before Jesus, our own inability to cleanse ourselves before Jesus, our own inability to forgive ourselves of our own sin, then we also will enter into the kingdom of God. We also will enter under the reign of Christ as King. We also will begin to experience those appetizers of grace and truth and wholeness and healing as we anticipate the main course when Jesus comes again to make everything right. The point here is that a child is content to receive something as a gift. The thought of buying it or earning it is not even a thought because a child is not even possible, uh, is not even able to do that. The reign of Christ in your life must be received as a gift because that's what it is. It's a gift. I was wondering, is this possibly what Jesus meant when he earlier had a conversation with Nicodemus? This is in John chapter 3, This guy, Nicodemus, he's a learned theologian. He's a very respected religious leader. He comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want anyone to see that he's associating with Jesus and might damage his reputation. And Jesus says to him that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. That in fact, you must be born again. Is this what Jesus was talking about? You must become like a child. You must be born again. Was Jesus saying to Nicodemus that, hey, man, you, you've got to unlearn some things that you have learned as an adult. You've got to unlearn some things that you have learned as a religious professional. You've got to acknowledge your helplessness, Nicodemus. Your status as, um, as an educated theologian, as a respected religious leader, your status as those things, uh, it gives you no claim or, or no merit in the kingdom of God. But rather, the kingdom of God just must be received. The same way that a child receives something. So what does all this mean for you and me? Is there any, like, import? and what Jesus was saying back then to our lives today. And I think if you, have, if you have ever found yourself thinking, I don't deserve that, then I think you are on the way. You are on the way to understanding what Jesus is getting at here. You're on the way to receiving the kingdom of God like a child. And the point here is not that you are so undeserving and some kind of unhealthy devaluing of yourself, but rather that Jesus' generosity outdoes your merit by a thousand times. His generosity to give this gift, the value of this gift is so much bigger than all of the merit or righteousness you could possibly muster up on your own. And the kingdom of God is such a good gift because that's a gift we could not possibly pay for. So the invitation is to come to Jesus. Anyone who is weary, carrying heavy burdens, anyone who is thirsty or hungry, come. I love Isaiah's language, right? It's so colorful. Come buy the finest of wines. Enjoy the best of milk. And you know what? It's all free. Just come and say, I'm thirsty. Can I please have some of what you have to offer, Jesus? Come. The invitation is to receive. The invitation is to come and receive Jesus, to receive his reign as Lord and King in your life. He is the gift. Which means that his salvation, his lordship, cannot be bought. And so we must simply receive in the same way that a child receives his lordship. Come. Are you thirsty? Are you weary? Have you ever thought to yourself, "Mm, I don't deserve this. Come. Come. Get all that Jesus has to offer for free. Come, submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus, that all of the fruit of his kingdom might begin to pour into your life, that you might become more and more like him. So come. It's all free. Friends, we're going to pray, and uh, I'm going to invite you into this prayer. You've maybe prayed this prayer a thousand times before. I'm going to invite you to pray it again. Or maybe you've never prayed like this before. I'm going to invite you to pray this way. You might be asking, uh, it sounds great. How do I get some of that wine and some of that milk? How do I get some of that rest that Jesus is talking about? Well, the same way a child would. Just come to Jesus and say, can I have some? So let's pray. Jesus, I want to receive all that you have for me, not because I deserve it, but because you are amazing. Jesus, we want to receive all that you are. All that you have for us. Not because we have any claim to this gift. Not because we deserve it. Not because we can exchange anything for it but simply because you're generous, you're good, you're amazing, and you love to give these kinds of gifts. So Jesus, would you give this gift? Would you come and be Lord in our lives? Would you direct our paths? Jesus, we want to submit to you. We know that the one thing you ask for is just us. (laughs) Our love, our allegiance, our, our hearts. And so we give all of these to you. We give all of who we are to all of who you are. Jesus, Don't let our eyes drift away from you. Don't let our hearts drift away from you. Keep calling us back. Keep welcoming us back with your open arms. Keep embracing us like you embraced these children. Keep placing your hands on our heads and blessing us like you did these children. Keep giving us the gift of your kingdom and all that is real and good about your kingdom. Jesus, thank you that you're generous. We receive. We receive. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at...